The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or just a mere mortal in a universe of madness, you'll find a place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, a Warhammer 30k Horse Heresy podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here tonight with Austin and Steven. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hey. <laughs> so tonight is our so tonight is our part three coverage of Crusade, Black Book Nine. And tonight we're gonna cover the independent characters for the Dark Angels. And with that, let's get right into it, guys. Hooray! Yeah. Who wants to start? Well, Corswain is your favorite guy, so why don't you do Corswain? I will do Corswain. Corswain, Paladin of the Ninth Order, Champion of the Dark Angels Legion at 200 points. He is an HQ unit, obviously. Champion of the Dark Angels, Corswain's name is one which will echo down through the ages, exemplifying the qualities of stalwart determination and mastery of the blade. Corswain was the rising star amongst his brothers in the annals... <laughs> Annals. Annals of the latter Great Crusade. His was the righteous path of the paladin, and being born of Caliban, but not an ingrained scion of the order, Corswain was uniquely placed to bridge the divisions within the Legion in its formative years under the Primarch, a position recognized and put to good use by Lionel Johnson. Under the Lion, Corswain would be groomed to serve not one host or order within the Legion, but to command the respect and knowledge of all. Even as the dust of the Age of Darkness settled, Corswain was remembered to such hallowed company as Raldoran, chapter master of the Blood Angels for his level-headed and dis disciplined authority as a commander, and alongside Sigismund of the Imperial Fists for his relentlessness in the heat of battle. Had the Dark Angels not returned to Caliban after the fateful events of the final days of the Horus Heresy, Corswain's legend might have surpassed even these mighty names, but destiny was instead to mar him with an anguish of his legion's own making." foreshadowing dun 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 yeah we don't know what happens to Corswain yet so yet yeah i was about to say what does happen to Corswain? does the does the lion also backhand his head off <laughs> i doubt it he falls <laughs> hey well spoiler alert he does show up in siege of terra some saturnine spoilers for you guys yeah in the very uh... end He's going to go back to Cal Caliban, hang out, get in touch with Luther, and be like, you know what, this guy makes sense. Traitor time. <laughs> he's, he's speaking the right words. Yeah, it's hard to say. Can't wait for that Luther book to come out. I got my pre-order mm. in. I'm excited. Soon. Yes. Soon. You know, it's wild that Luther's not in here. I was a little surprised to see that. Uh, I was a little surprised myself, but at the same time, I don't know. Mixed feelings, because... You have, uh, for the word bearers, you have Erebus and you have... Yeah, um, I, I have fucking Corpharon. You have Corpharon. <laughs> <laughs> so the only reason I would not include Luther is that this is supposed to be a book about the Thramas Crusade, like, really. And uh, guess who was sitting on his 
hands on Caliban while that was going on. Oh, That's right, Luther. your boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, Daddy wouldn't let him play. <laughs> you sit on the shitty planet and you think about what you've done. <laughs> why? If I have to have Corfair on, why can't why can't the Dark Angels players get Luther? I'm just. <laughs> I hate him so much. That'd be funny. One day, one of these days, we'll get a not quite space marine hand slap battle. Just throw them yeah. all in a ring and see. Just go to town. Yeah, toughness three all around. Instant death, Corferon with a plasma Look, pistol. This is what happens <laughs> when you let cowards into your legion, right? <sighs> I mean, guess we got to read that Luther book to find out. I mean, no doubt Corferon's a fucking coward, but right? Space Wolves proved you can have adults become space marines. I'm just saying. <laughs> If you just just manned up and did it, space wolves are protected by meter thick theme armor. <laughs> but I gotta say, Luther's uh, power armor illustration looks really cool in the upcoming book. Uh, he's practically a space marine. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, he's a space marine. Oh my! But he's T four. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. All that good Caliban upbringing. T five Luther. What? <laughs> Just anyway, specifically to spite Steven. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're so off track right now. We're talking about Cor Swain. Cor Swain is a infantry character. Stat line, weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 4, strength 4, toughness 4, 4 wounds. Wow. Oof. Initiative 5, 4 attacks, leadership 10, 2 up save. So, Praetor tier. Yeah, that four wounds look real impressive until you uh, take a look through his rules and realize that Eternal Warrior isn't one of them. Yeah, that's rough. Get fisted. Sigismund uh, edges out just a little bit more in the future. I don't know. Or Luther, if he's got one of those dumb Dark Angel swords, foreshadowing, Mm. question mark. Mm. I mean, a lot of the first first captains, and Corswain is first captain, isn't he? He says Paladin of the Ninth Order. I mean, he's... Pretty much the But he praetor. effectively fills the role of first captain. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. Yeah, most I think Sigismund is the only one that even has Eternal Warrior. Even Abaddon doesn't have it. It's weird, but you are correct. Fair. Which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but Abaddon is due for a, a sexy chaos upgrade. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hmm, I, well, maybe not compared to Saturnine, but that's a whole, that's that's spoilers now. That's spoilers. Yeah, he. Hmm. Not, that's, that's my episode. fault that's my fault we need it we need a saturn episode jesse please go ahead all right uh let's see uh his war gear comes with a bolter comes with a bolt pistol comes with frag and crack grenades comes with armor of the forest and the mantle of the champion and the blade the blade <laughs> special rules consist of legionus astartes dark angels independent character master of the legion Scion of the Deathwing, Precision Strikes, and Warlord. If he is your Warlord, he has Paladin of Glory Warlord trait rather than rolling randomly on page 15 of the Legionis Astartes Age of Darkness Army List book. And I don't what have that. Reroll ones in, uh, in combat to, to wound? Uh, potentially, but the fact that he has Scion of the Deathwing, which kind of gives you a free reroll to hit. Let's check real quick. I mean, he's obviously a combat character. He's- just between Scion of the Deathwing and Paladin of Glory, he's... I got it right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warlord has the Fearless special rule, and both the Warlord and any unit with the Legionis Astartes rule with models within six inches of the Warlord add plus one to the wound score calculated to see if they win combat in the assault phase. All right, oh. that's actually pretty damn good. That That's not bad. Is that 
are you reading that out of the out of an older book or out of a digital copy? Uh, Legionis Astartes Age of Darkness Army List. I've got the digital copy. Which I, I believe is the updated. Like I bought, I bought it fairly recently. Uh, yeah, after I, f- the, I after felt like after Paladin of Glory didn't used to. I think it used to just be combat res. I didn't think it used to have fearless. That's kind of neat. If if that's unless you're thinking of a one in the actual rule book. I don't. I don't know what I'm thinking of anymore. That's fine. It's been such a long time since I've played uh, <laughs> 30k now. Yeah, yeah. Although, I don't know what the warlord traits do anymore. Funnily enough, the warlord trait. Just says any unit with a legion is a Stardust rule with models within six inches of the warlord. Uh, adds oh, no. plus one to wounds scored. Doesn't say friendly. Uh, <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> well, that's he's interesting. Such, he's so paladin y that other people Which I guess makes sense, right? Like, if you've won combat against somebody running around with the armor of the forest, you just feel really good about yourself. Yeah. Get that extra mm. wound. But it is nice. Yeah. So, uh, as a sidebar, this unit may only be taken as a part of a loyalist faction army. And getting into their war gear, we have the Blade, a masterwork tyrannic greatsword. Granted to Corswain by his mentor, Alaho, it is said that the Blade was once raised aloft as Advexmoors by Legion Master Urien Vendrig to incite the first Rangdon Xenocide, and was wielded in the violence of every campaign against that foul Xenos by a champion of the First Legion. So, the Blade... Melee, strength plus two, AP one. Jesus. Melee, two-handed, mastercrafted, and duelist's triumph. When fighting in a challenge, all of this weapon's attacks have the instant death special rule. <laughs> oh, well. So wounds on twos, no armor saves. Please don't be in a challenge. Yeah, don't uh, don't fail that four-up invul you got, boss. It's kind of funny that they do mention it's a tyrannic greatsword, which are instant death by default. But this one only activates when uh, he's in a challenge. But it's also AP1, so... I mean, that looks like instant death to me, boss. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's the thing. Between AP1 and AP2 against infantry, it doesn't really matter. It's the... It's, it's, it's for tanks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for all the tanks that uh, Corswain's going to be hunting. All the tanks yeah. with a strength at, six at weapon? Strength six, yeah, why not? I yeah, mean, he can uh, hit on rear value and, and penetrate. Sure. Lockdown down yeah, a dreadnought. He, he can finish off those rhinos for you. <laughs> I do really love, though, that he's got this, like, blade, which is apparently wielded by a badass because it's not named, and that's, it's as we all know. Blade. We all know what the blade is. We all know it. that only jackasses name their swords. Uh, but he's just got, like, a basic bolter and just yeah. bolt pistol. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, he he's is supposed, not about the ranged weapon. He is all yeah. about the uh, and he's melee. BS4. He's I mean, <laughs> he doesn't deserve a mastercrafted bolter with BS4. That's true. That's true. He does have I just I just realized that cuz uh, raiders have BS5 typically, so. Yeah. But he is a he, boss when it comes to dueling. But they also yeah. have weapon skill 6 usually, yeah, don't so they? Yeah, so they traded up those uh yeah. skills. While you were while you were fiddling around with bolters, he mastered <laughs> the blade. Literally the blade. Quite literally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a trade-off I'd make with any of my Praetors. Yeah. Because they're not about... When you got a Praetor, you're not there to shoot You're not stuff. there to shoot bolts. No, you are not. So he's hitting everybody on threes and challenges, pretty much, unless you're a Primarch. Yeah. Because of fucking much. Dark so, Angel shenanigans. <laughs> mm. Sweet, sweet course. So yeah, Armor of the Forest and Mantle of the Champion. Actually, yeah. 
even if uh, he was dueling some weapon skill seven Primarchs, he'd still be hitting yeah. on threes. Yeah, he's got you're a, right. He's got a blade. Get him. Yeah, that's crazy. What horse has weapon skill eight? Right. Um, most Primarchs do. Weapon skill eight. I know Lorgar is five. Or <laughs> six. Yeah, but Lorgar is bad at his job. Russ no, he's good eight. at his job. His job just sucks. The lion is eight. Well, yeah, for all the yeah. times Corswain and the lion are going to be going toe to toe. Look, you don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm just saying he can only be taken as part of a loyalist faction army, so he's not throwing in with Luther anytime soon. A little exposition <laughs> match. In this book. Mm, that's no, fair. I don't know. Moving on to uh, Armor of the Forest and the Mantle of the Champion. A masterfully wrought suit of artificer armor struck from Terran steel in the heart of the forests of Caliban by the lion's own hand. The armor of the forest embodies the fragmentation of the Legion in its simple utilitarian functionality and doughty? Doughty. Doughty endurance. That's actually a word I haven't really heard before. If you play dwarves, you hear it a lot. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corswain's only adjustment to this peerless suit of armor is to enshroud himself in a ritual mantle of the Dark Angels, obscuring the symbols of his order and host so that he might serve the entire Legion with purity of purpose as their champion. The armor of the forest and the mantle of the champion grant Corswain a two-up armor save and a four-up invulnerable save, improved to three-up against close combat attacks. Ugh, good luck getting that good luck getting that power fist through. Yeah. No, not challenges, close combat attacks. Yeah. But can we stop and appreciate that um every other piece of war gear that has been crafted by a Primarch is always described as some like wonderful work of art. And this is described as simple utilitarian functionality, which probably means it's kinda ugly because the lion doesn't really forge shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My favorite part about it is it's <laughs> struck from Terran steel in the heart of the forests of Caliban by the lion's own hand. Like, hey, like boss, a... where you going? And just lugging this into big the heart box of, of metal. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make some armor in the forest. I'll be back. <laughs> but this is exactly what happened. It's man. I'm gonna show that punk Perturabo and Ferris Manus how to like fucking craft weapons and armor and shit. And he goes off into the forest because it'll be a cooler story and comes back with this suit of armor and kind of looks at it and goes, uh, hey, Corswain, come come take this. Uh, <laughs> don't hey, tell you don't, me, buddy. You don't mind if I put this cloak over it, do you? No. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Dad. So he puts the cloak I'll, around I'll, it. I'll, I love it. I love you're it. You're going to wear it a lot, right? Yeah, look, I think this cloak goes really well. I'm just going to have it cover up literally everything about this. They come out of the forest and everybody's like, what's that bear that's walking alongside the lion? (laughs) No, don't put the cloak on. You can't see any of the cool symbols I put on it. No, no, no. It's so that like the whole legion. I don't want it to get scuffed. Now, in all fairness, has Perturabo made a suit of armor that has a three up against close combat attacks? Yeah, but it took um, the cloak to get this one to three up. <laughs> yeah. That's that's for fair. all we know, the cloak is what's doing the heavy lifting here. <laughs> this could just be like two up armor, no invol at all. Yep. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, because the mantle has to do something, otherwise it wouldn't be mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Some some tainted uh creature from the forest and just does this weird invulnerable shit. Yeah. But he is a fucking combat monster for two hundred points. Ooh, Fuck. Yeah. Fuck! I wonder how much Sigismund is. I don't know. 
Um, Someone I'm check that out. Look back here, though. At, I mean, so the other combat monster in the book is Sevatar, and he clocks in at one seventy-five. Cheap boy. But can Corsine take Sevatar? Almost certain. I don't know. Now, also, doesn't Sevatar have some upgrades that cost extra points, which you want to take by default? Um, he can go. He can be bumped up by thirty-five points, which actually puts him. 10 points over um, old Course Wayne. Yep. But uh, we're not talking about the uh, Night Lords right yeah, now. Without spoiling it too much, I think it'd be a pretty close fight. All right, Sigismund is 230 points. Okay, well, that tracks. Yeah. Course Wayne already has Sign of the Deathwing. Yeah, so he, ro- he re-rolls a hit. Precision strikes, too, so he's like, hey, Apothecary, what's up? Donk! Yeah, if, if you... What I would, my initial reaction would be wisely decline the challenge. He just puts your Praetor in the back of the bus and picks out your Vexilla, your Apothecary, your other sergeant, and just all of them die. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I heard, I heard people on the internet ask if the independent characters can take uh, rules of the Hecatonistica, but I don't think Hecatonistica. so. Hecatonistica. Excuse me. Thank you. Here, here for you, Jesse. Uh, let's see. Any model with the independent character special rule may take a single option for 25 points. But does that Rules work? is written, he can. Yeah, that's, that seems like a yes to me. Actually, you know what? I would even say rules is intended because he's supposed to, like, serve all of the, all of the yeah. orders, right? He's not yeah. specifically tied to one. That's Oof. a good point. Although, I thought in general... Uh, Named characters typically have just the war gear that's assigned to them. Well, it's war not gear. a it's not war gear; it's a rule. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a separate thing. I'd allow it. After the recording, we went back and uh, checked the FAQ. Unique units may never be altered, with the exception of options that are specifically listed on their profile. They are already equipped with the weapons and war gear they need. So, even though the Scion rules are not necessarily war gear, the first part of that sentence may never be altered kind of seals the deal for me so you can uh, ignore wish listing for course wayne and marduk said raz but yeah that's what the faq says i uh i'd like to do the next one if we're finished with course wayne i think so go for it go for it cool 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 clocking in at 220 points marduk sedras lord of the 23rd order eschaton of the dreadwing preceptor of the shattered scepter Preceptor of the Shattered Scepter. Oh, interesting. Interestingly enough, the second Warhammer character named Marduk. um, Keen observers will note that the other one is the star of the Word Bearers trilogy. uh, Marduk of the Word Bearers. It's essentially, it's like Jack, right? All the kids now are named (laughs) Jack. 30,000 years in the future, there was just a a wave of babies named Marduk. I, I guess so. See... So I always wonder if you take on a new name when you become a legionary. Because certainly it depends on the legion. Yeah, yeah. Because like Marduk is the name of a uh, Babylonian or a Syrian god of um, <laughs> of magic. He's uh, he's a he's the Babylonian. Babylonian. There we go. Patron god Babylonian. Babylonian god of magic. Uh, he's like the chief deity of the Babylonian myth cycle. So it just seems strange to me that his name would survive that long. 
and certainly would not be people not people aren't giving naming their kids after gods in the age of the imperial truth if they even know where it originally came from yeah but from. he's the king of the gods like all it takes is you know some 10,000 years on some asshole gets named Marduk and you know, becomes real famous, and then they're no longer naming him after the god, they're naming him after the famous guy from 20,000 years ago, yeah? It's like our, our talk of ship names. On the old transmissions. Anyway, um, so, 220 points. A veteran of the earliest battles of the Terran Wars of Unification, Marduk has served the Emperor in battle for more than two and a half centuries, longer than almost any other living space marine. He has seen battle on worlds without number and alongside heroes, Primarchs, and the Emperor himself. Indeed, there are few foes or battlefields that Marduk Cedrus has not beheld and mastered, and the tales he tells of long-forgotten campaigns and fallen empires serve to inspire and educate both the newly recruited and initiated warriors and veterans of the Legion alike. His long record of service within the First Legion began in the ranks of the now-defunct Host of Stone, where he was acknowledged as the preeminent siege master of the First Legion, and he would later enter the ranks of the Dreadwing. Rather than join the Council of Masters on Grammarie, Cedrus opted to accept the lesser rank of master that he might remain in the field as the Great Crusade entered its second century. Many among those that have served alongside him believe that as long as the old warrior still draws breath, then the Great Crusade will continue, even if he must pursue battle beyond the edge of the galaxy in the Emperor's name. What the hell is the Host of Stone? The Host of Stone is uh, like the Siege Breakers of the Legion. I, I believe um, before the coming of the Lion, and Jesse will have to correct me on this, uh, I believe before the coming of the Lion, the Legion was broken up into a series of hosts, which later became the wings that we're now familiar with. The Host of Stone being Siege Breakers. Ah, cool. Yep. Um, also, a little fun bit about Marduk here. He has he bears the title of Eschaton, and I don't know if all of you remember the uh, Warhammer Community article for Road to Thromus, kind of explaining some stuff about the Dark Angels, but one of them uh, told you what Eschaton means, and I think it's really cool. Eschaton is a specific title awarded to uh, legionaries who have overseen the death of a world. So... Like, if you're rolling around on your battle barge and you're carrying Exterminatus-grade weapons and you Exterminatus a planet, congratulations, you're an Eschaton now. <laughs> uh, if you're an Iron, not Iron Wing, uh, like a Stormwing kind of guy and you're down there and you uh, perpetrate a campaign of extermination against some Xenos breed or whatever, you know, like the, the Rangdan Xenocides, Eschaton, bam. And, and it's funny because uh, you know what it means in Greek, right? What? Ancient Greek, eschaton is dawn of a new day. Interesting. Huh. That's pretty cool. And you know what? If you murder the shit out of every Xenos on the planet, it is a new day on that world. Welcome yep. to humanity. <laughs> Get on board. <laughs> As another sidebar, uh, regarding the hosts, on page 87, it lists 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 different hosts that were around before uh, Lionel Johnson created the Wings. Um, as far as the host of stone, Stephen's right. Uh, experts in the static arts of war, of siege, and the destruction of fortifications. The grim demeanor of these warriors is a key feature of many of the most bitter defenses and bloody assaults in the early years of the Great Crusade. For to the adepts of the host of stone, all war was a simple matter of determination. 
Those that did not yield to the foe, who stood impassive in the face of utter destruction, would find victory, and those who gave away would be crushed underfoot. And their symbol was basically like a, a castle, a rook. Hmm. Cool, cool, cool. I bet this, those guys were friends with the, uh, who are they? The, 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 the Ordo of the Mechanicum, the just Siege Breakers. I can't remember what their name Reductor? all of a sudden. I don't hmm? know. I don't know my Mechanicum too well, unfortunately. Uh, oh, no. Yes, Reductor. You had it right. But you yeah, it right. Uh, oh, cool. But yeah, yeah, page 87 and the, the, uh, the icons are really cool too. Like one of my favorites. got along well with the Death Guard and the Iron Warriors and the Iron Hands. They had a host of pentacles, which was like an early librarius, and their uh, symbol is like the uh, witch star. I can't remember what it's called. The Seal of Solomon. <laughs> yeah. Page eighty-seven. You said. Yeah, or not Seal? Of, is it the Seal of Solomon? It's the uh, uh, five-pointed star. Okay. Yeah, that's the Seal of Solomon. Okay. Yeah. I don't know my occult very well either. <laughs> pentacles. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um. More fun facts about the Seal of Solomon. It could enslave demons. Well, there you go. Anyway, back to Marduk. Between demons and AI, do they do nothing but fuck around? (laughs) Marduk Cedrus, at 220 points, has a pretty standard Praetor stat line. Weapon skill 6, ballistic skill 5. He also has 4 wounds. Yeesh. I guess once you just pass a certain age as a space marine, you get an extra wound. Uh, I-5, initiative 5, leadership 10, 2-up armor. Uh, He's just the one dude, one independent character, uh, bearing a plasma burner, three phosphex bombs, a grenade (laughs) harness, regalia of the shattered scepter, the death of worlds. Uh, So he's already loaded for bear. Special rules, Legion of the Stardays, Dark Angels, independent character, master of the Legion, Scion of the Dreadwing, which, um, an infantry model with this special rule, and any infantry model it joins can move four inches through difficult terrain rather than rolling. Uh, he has Ancient of War, and he gets a Warlord trait. If he is your Warlord, then he gets Preceptor of the Shattered Scepter rather than rolling randomly, and like Corswain before him, uh, can only be taken as part of a Loyalist faction. Try to figure out what uh, preceptor of the shattered scepter. Uh, so it's, it's right, right there. there. Oh, the okay, I get box, right below so. it. Okay. If That's Marduk Cedrus is the army's warlord, then a unit of inner circle knight Snobia may be selected as part of the same HQ choice, using up no additional slots in the force organization chart. <laughs> um, however, if this is selected, then neither a command squad nor a Deathwing companion squad can be selected for Marduk Cedrus. And to that I say, oh, no. who cares? More <laughs> inner knights. Let's do it. Actually, so, so this is the loss of a Deathwing right, companion squad is a bit of a, bit of a downer. Um, but you know, if more circles. Only, if, if he's only your only HQ choice, if you got another HQ, you can throw the Deathwing on that one. Yeah, because what, what, what screams Dark Angels if not just elite bodyguard units getting where you don't want Actually, them? Let me make sure, because maybe the Deathwing can only protect your Warlord. Praetor or Legion special character with the Warlord and Legion as special rules. Okay. Yeah, they don't All have right. to be the Warlord. They just need to be able to be mm. the Warlord. Uh, no, I think I don't think they just... Because you basically get the Warlord trait if you are selected as the Warlord. I don't uh, think... That's true. Yeah, not just mm. anybody can be the Warlord. Only the Warlord can be the Warlord. But that would explain why they had Warlord in there, and we thought that was a little weird. Well, most of the... Most independent characters do. 
Yeah, most of the independent characters with specific warlord traits have that rule there. Um, anyway, more Marduk fun. Uh, Ancient of War, which with a rule like that, you would think he'd be a dreadnought, but he's not. Yeah. Still waiting for that sweet, sweet dreadnought. If I remember right, in the uh, in the uh, Dreadwing novella, the master of the Ironwing was a dreadnought. Oh, God, that's so cool. <laughs> anyway, at the start of the game, after deployment, but before the first turn has begun, the controlling player may select a single faction from the allies in the Age of Darkness table, including either agents of the Emperor slash Warmaster, that is represented in an enemy army. Both Marduk and any friendly units with the Legion of Stodu's Dark Angel special rule that have more than half of the unit's models within six inches of him gain preferred enemy against that faction for the duration of the game. If Marduk Cedrus is in reserve, this special rule has no effect. So that's kind of a lot to unpack there, just from the wording. Um, but you pick a faction that appears on the, uh, on the allies' matrix, including agents. If they are in... The, you pick a faction that's represented in your opponent's army. Mm-hmm. You get preferred enemy against that faction. Uh, so in in effect, this is you pick a legion, you pick imperial army, you pick mechanicum, or agents, yeah. or demons, or demons. Yeah, that's true. Demons so, too. Another question is the way this reads. Does that mean that this only affects the units that were around Marduk at the beginning of the game? Yes. And I think, and I agree with you in there, due to the fact with the sidebar how it kind of tells how people would listen to the stories of Marduk. So in a, in a way, then the fluffiness in my head, it's like Marduk's explaining to the people around him, go after these guys, look for these weaknesses. Yeah, the armor is weak oh, at cool. the neck and under the arm. Uh, let's not, let's not go there. The trick would be to keep track of which units were near him yeah. at the beginning of the game. <laughs> you need to make a little cheerleader model. There's a lot of tokens for this army that you can make for sure. Yeah. Well, what's kind of cool about that is you can, a six-inch bubble is a decent amount of distance. Yeah, I mean, it's a 12-inch diameter circle, which is pretty large. But more than half the unit's models have to be within ah, six inches. But... It's not just anybody. But here's the thing. Um, oh, well, the Jonas of Stardust Dark Angels. Boo! Never mind, you can't give it to Dreadnoughts. Quit trying uh. to give things to Dreadnoughts. <laughs> I just like Dreadnoughts, okay? Jeez. Um... <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Lion. You also don't get to benefit from this since you don't like have Legion as a Stardis. Yeah, I don't think he really needs it. Hmm. But it's hmm. a fun trick, especially yeah. if you are playing like an Inner Circle Knight Cenobium list. Right? How hard so, is it to get half of four or five man squads within six inches of him? So how does that um, how does that apply to? Units that are in a dedicated transport. Like if you start I in a land raider. I would say that doesn't count. Right. Because the models. Because they're, they're not t- there. They're specifically calling out models. Mm-hmm. Mm. Models well. aren't within six inches. Okay. Well, Ancient of War is really hard to get gamey with, which is probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. But Can't still, go. having preferred enemy against your opponent's legion is... It's I mean, real that's good. real good on its own. Yeah, like, you're definitely giving it to him. He's going to be in a squad, so the squad he's with, and then at least one other unit, right? A couple of you're assault squads. at least one other squad in there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Need some scouts and, with some sniper rifles. Yeah. 
your heavy weapon squad, just like oh yeah, heavy weapon squad, of course. Good times. Uh, let's see, uh, more war gear, regalia of the shattered scepter, crafted in the forge fanes of Zana. Oh, that's a good start. At the after the end of the second round on Xenocide, and gifted first, and gifted to the first preceptor of the shattered scepter. God, I wish they had picked a different name. <laughs> the preceptor. The preceptor this scepter has served the order since that day, forged so that its bearer might take battle to the worst death world. This ornate cataphracti plate hides an array of field projectors designed to nullify dangerous irad and phage contaminants. The regalia is a suit of cataphracti pattern terminator armor. In addition to the standard rules for such an item of war gear, the regalia also allows its bearer to automatically pass dangerous terrain tests he is called to make. Huh. Neat. Handy. Nah, it's a fun. Doesn't little come buff, up that often, right? but like yeah. it's nice that Marduk isn't gonna fall down and die from barbed wire. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not like this. Yeah, nope. <laughs> Not like Sorry, this. Marduk. Um not quite as impressive as Armor of the Forest and Mantle of the Champion, but we can't all be Corswain. It obviously looks prettier though. It's yes, it definitely looks prettier. Some <laughs> Xanite uh magi had their hands on this one. Yeah, no porosity in that well. And uh, finally, <laughs> Warhammer's been around for a long time, right? A very long time. It's an old game. There's a lot of fluff to it. Um, but this might be the edgiest thing in the <laughs> entire franchise. I see what you did there. We did it. We did it. The Edgelord Sword. The Death of Worlds. A relic of the First Legion, the blade known as the Death of Worlds was pattern-welded from fragments of adamantium collected from the hive cities of the First World to fall under the Eschaton, the Edict of Utter Destruction, which again means dawning of a new day. With each world its wielder presides over the death of, new fragments are added to its length, and by the end of the Great Crusade, the Death of Worlds had grown to such a length that only the strongest warriors in the Legion could bear it into combat. The shards pattern-welded to its edge carry the curse of a thousand dead worlds, the ragged blade tearing apart its victims with vicious spite. Yeah, can we pause here and just, like, everybody gives, like, several Legions, you know, World Eaters, Space Wolves, uh, a couple others, a lot of shit for just murdering the shit like for just murdering planets right this one sword has presided over a thousand dead worlds a thousand <laughs> a literal thousand or a metaphorical thousand the curse of a thousand dead words worlds what am i supposed to what am i supposed to take that to mean <laughs> that's fair there's a lot of right. there's a lot of dead worlds out there there are and it seems like every other dude in the uh, Dark Angels Legion has that Eschaton title, so I'm just saying. <laughs> it's, I feel like there's so, a, that Joker meme here somewhere. <laughs> Dark Angels kill that. a thousand worlds. No one bats an eye. Space wolves ravage Prospero. Everyone loses their fucking mind. Yeah, we, <laughs> we fuck up one world, I'm break glad one you... guy's spine. I'm glad you told me which Joker meme it was, because you said That's that true. Joker meme, and that could have meant anything. That's true now at this point. Oh, There's man. at least three Joker memes. <laughs> um, 
But let's break that down for a second. It's so big, right, that only the strongest legionaries can wield it. First of all, legionaries are already strong, right? Like, tell us strong. And they're going to be put them in, armor, in power armor. Yeah. yeah, when you put them in armor, they're even stronger. And, and the Death of Worlds is so big and so heavy. Some legionaries just, oh it's man, like nah, can't unwieldy. pick that up. I mean, it's yeah. probably not that they can't pick it up, but they can't like fight with it efficiently. I mean, like, nobody should want to fight with this thing. thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's egregious. I remember hmm. uh, there was a game for the PlayStation about samurai, and you could like make different swords and stuff, but you could also at some point find like a boat oar and use that. <laughs> and it didn't cut anything. It just bludgeoned everybody to death. <laughs> uh, so, Death of Worlds. Range, right up in your face. Strength, plus five. <laughs> it is not fucking around. Yeah, so <laughs> Marduk hits at strength nine. Uh, AP two, because when you get hit that hard, your armor just isn't doing anything. Melee, unwieldy. Curse of dead worlds. The death of worlds counts as a sword for the purpose of mastery of the blade special rule. Uh, Curse of Dead Worlds. Invulnerable saves taken against hits inflicted by this weapon are reduced by one to a minimum of six. For example, a model with a four-up invulnerable save struck by the Death of Worlds takes an invulnerable save of five against the attack. Oh, boy. That's real distressing. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, that's a nice iron halo you bought for 25 points. Boop! It's a refractor field now. Good luck. So, for clarification purposes... It does specifically call out that the Death of Worlds counts as a sword for the purposes of Mastery of the Blade. Uh, Corswain's The Blade does not have that. But it's, Is it a matter of It's described as a masterwork tyrannic greatsword. That is a good point. Ah, good point. So that would, yeah, that would, would be my way around it. You, you could certainly argue, well, Rules is written because it's not listed as a tyrannic greatsword, and this one has this note in there. I don't think it should count. To those people, I can only say... Kill yourself. Jump off of an A-frame ladder, stand on a swivel chair, violate OSHA in the most egregious ways that you can manage. Because um, it says, a masterwork tyrannic greatsword. Like, a, a masterwork tyrannic greatsword. Like, that, that seems self-explanatory. Yeah. And the fact that the title, The Death of Worlds, may not necessarily really tell you exactly what it is. Yeah, because it's just described as a relic, pattern-welded. Like, you could... You can yeah, easily see this sword, being like it? an axe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that it's then like there's a note, it counts as a sword. It obviously is a giant sword. Um, and I think that's what everybody kind of had in their head. But Ragged Blade, it's big. It's strength plus five. Like you could be forgiven for thinking it was an axe. Yeah. Um, big ass axe. <laughs> so I'm not uh, speaking... I'm not a welder. What is pattern welded? Like, do they, does it, is the thing there, the blade exists and they just add more pieces to it? Yeah, it, it's the steel that's got almost like the cartographic map kind of look to it. Like there's uh-huh. rings and it's pools, like somebody so poured it's pretty, oil over it. So it's what you're it. saying. Yeah, it's real yes. pretty. Okay. All right. Cool. Because it's, huh. it's made by forming a blade with a bunch of different pieces that are welded together but here's right. the fun thing, right? And now we're dipping into the world of 
uh, swordsmithing. So, like, I've seen, I don't, I don't know if you've seen, Jesse, have you put up uh, your Marduk model? I did at some point, yes. Yeah. I so think you guys have seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it. It's like a bunch of sword. It looks like you kind of hammered, you know, this bit of metal onto the blade and, like, that bit of metal onto the blade. Uh, and it looks awesome. That's not actually what pattern welding is. Mm-hmm. What pattern welding is is you take, like, those five or six or, how you know, two five, whatever, a thousand, apparently, uh, different pieces of metal. And you kind of stack them. And you hammer it all together that way. And this is a very poor explanation. Like, Google it if you really want to, like, know the details. Um, But you have, so you've got, like, steel on top, steel on bottom. And then you kind of twist it together and hammer it together. uh, And that's what makes the the rings and the wavy effect because it's huh. all and that that would that's what makes it um one piece of steel right so <laughs> what they're doing with this is every time a world gets destroyed they grab some steel from it totally melt down the sword and start <laughs> that's true again. they do they do forge it anew every time there's got to be like you know marduk cedrus is sitting there on the boarding ramp of a Thunderhawk, tapping his foot impatiently, like, come on, guys. <laughs> we gotta go. 80 hours of work, gotta forge this fucking sword again. Yeah. You, want, you wanted to drop cyclonic adept. torpedoes on the last world. We could have just taken it with a simpler bombardment, but no. <laughs> There's a whole team of armorers whose only job is to reforge this fucking sword. God, you know yeah. there's some edgelords. Uh, that's probably so, his title what's greek for edgelord i don't know um so much like corswain over there he's an independent character and it doesn't say he can't um so you could buy a scion of the hecatonistica hecatonistica for him and um i personally think that augurs of weakness would be hilarious because he already hits at strength nine and so oh, if Jesus. you want to crack open a dreadnought <laughs> Just pay 25 points, and he'll smack that thing at strength 10. Jesus. Uh-huh. That's actually <laughs> real nice. Yeah. And uh, if he does run into a bunch of infantry, suck my three Phosphex bombs. Yeah, this dude does not play games. Uh, Hunter of Beasts yeah. is also pretty good. Um, because it does not specify that it has to be against monstrous creatures. It's just anything with T5 or higher. Uh, so you can reroll the only thing that's going to cause you to fail the wound, which is a one. And just all those demons murdering all my poor demons. Yep. Uh, uh. Yeah, and demons have to take their save at six up against him. Ugh. Marduk, please. Yikes. Yeah, it offends me a little bit that both these Dark Angels characters seem like they'd be better in combat, just flat out better than uh, any of the Space Wolf, like not Lehman Russ. Well, I mean, Space Wolves are just terrible, so. That. that yeah, I, I wonder how well these guys would fare against Wordbearer characters. Oh, man. None of the Wordbearer characters are. None of the Wordbearer characters are good, so. <laughs> One round. Marduk can take Lorgar. You heard it here uh, first. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Alexis Pollux can take Lorgar. That's not a high bar. 
Fucking who's that ultramarine with the fancy stick? (laughs) Why did you have to go there? You know what? We agreed never to talk about that again. (laughs) Nope, talking about it. Talking about it on the internet. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) I think it's hilarious that Marduk has a grenade harness because he already hits it I one with Death of Worlds. That just makes his buddies around. Like that's just to keep his buddies like having a good time. Yeah, his uh, yeah. Don't have to take one for the. uh, for the Cenobium. Now, is, Save you a couple uh, points. Is the plasma burner the gun that the Interrupters carry around stock? Uh, uh, that... Or is that the plasma yes. incinerator? Yes, it's the one that the uh, that the Dreadwing carry. Right, 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 right. So he's he's got some pretty good shooting before he charges in and just reduces you to a red smear. Yeah, assault D3 plus one, ignores cover, plasma flame. Oh, too bad he can't use plasma flame. Yeah, oh. that's true. They, they don't. It doesn't count him as a. Womp, 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 yeah, he can't womp. do a Overwatch. Oh well. Yeah, the funny. I guess. Rules. I guess his Cenobium will have to take care of that. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Wait, yeah. uh, hang, on, hang, on, hang on. Let me make sure, because I get. I'm starting to get these plasma weapons mixed around. The Cenobium also has plasma. No, the Cenobium has plasma casters. So yes, it is the Dreadwing uh, assault weapon that they have. Okay. Ignore me. I'm just getting it. Casters, burners. He's real cool. He real is real cool. cool. Yep. In between... I mean, boy, you could really, again, like we discussed the last time, you could pack a whole bunch of Scion rules. But here's, here's the problem, though. I mean, I'd imagine... Can you really flip-flop around Marduk with Scion rules, though? That's the thing. What do you mean? Like, can you really give Marduk Ceteris a Scion rule? Oh, he has Scion of the Dreadwing, and he can rules as written by Hecatonistica. But then you take his Cenobium, which can all take a different uh, Scion of the Hexagrammaton mm-hmm. rule. And I at t- least one of them can t- No, none of them can take Hecatonistica. There's something burning in my mind. I feel like the they take last FAQ specifically mentions that uh, you can't buy upgrades for... You can't buy war gear. They specifically say war gear. Yeah, it's specifically war gear. Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah we, we think you're good. All right. Yeah. By all means, Jesse, go If we're not right, GW, <laughs> tell us. Yes. All right, Austin. Would you like to do the honors? What? Yeah, Austin. Why don't, yeah. Do the thing, Austin. Jesse, I'm not going to take Lion L. Johnson from you. Well, I appreciate it, Austin. He's fucking Lion L. Johnson. He's got a really big nose. He's got a large forehead. On page 172 of the book. A receding hairline? <laughs> it just proves that Russ is the more vital and handsome of the Primarchs. Yeah, but he doesn't have a rockin' beard like the lion does, and he's the Viking Primarch, so... Ugh. Ugh. Lionel nope. Johnson, the first Primarch. The lion, the son of the forest. Primarch of the Dark Angels, running in at 460 points, and a Lord of War. As I'm going to just say this right up front, this unit may only be taken as a part of a loyalist faction army. I'm going to read that again. This unit may only be taken as part of a loyalist faction army. Totally a typo. There's all These books are riddled with typos. It's true. It's <laughs> a weird way to spell traitor. <laughs> 
Lionel Johnson was regarded as the most pragmatic and ruthlessly efficient commander of the Great Crusade. His was the task of rooting out the threats which the Imperium most feared, and he undertook it with a peerless valor. Perhaps his quality was molded into the lion in his formative years, where he grew and learned to survive alone in the trackless, monster-haunted forests of Caliban. There, the young Primarch faced a constant struggle against nigh insurmountable odds, which taught him that to hesitate once committed led only to death, while stoic determination brought victory. This philosophy, learned in the forests of Caliban, marks his grim command of the First Legion, action without delay and relentlessness without reservation. During the Great Crusade, under his command, the remorseless dark angels acted not for glory or in honors, but only for victory, to vanquish their foes and to leave the enemies of mankind in quiet and forgotten ruin. Also see Conan. Untouched by the dark plots of Horus, the lion would return from his long exile beyond the edge of the empire with the same brutal determination and vengeful fervor turned now against those that he had once named brother. I'm sorry, Jesse, what was the start of that last bit again? Untouched by the dark plots of Horus, the lion would return yeah, from his long we, we exile. We hit it again for you. Unto- oh, untouched oh, thank you. Thank you. Untouched by the dark plots of Horus. Thank you. I was confused. Who can <laughs> take I? this model again? Loyalist faction armies. There, there we go. Thank We're you. here for you, Jesse. Thank you. We support you. Lionel Johnson, stat line, weapon skill 8, blister Ugh. skill 5, strength 7, toughness 6, 6 wounds, initiative 7. Five attacks, leadership oh, ten, boy. two up save. Uh, he is <laughs> one unique model as unit composition. Infantry character. His war gear consists of the Leonine panoply, the lion sword or the wolf blade, the fusil actinaeus, frag grenades, and stasis grenades. <laughs> I love that he's got frag grenades, just like as a <laughs> measure of contempt here. <laughs> I think that's for the purpose of assaulting, I imagine, just to have the assault grenades. I yeah, could not have to fuck around with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that it really matters, which we'll find out later. Uh, special rules, Primarch, which, you know, the classic combo, independent character, eternal warrior, fear, adamantium will, fleet, fearless, it will not die, master of the legion, precision strike, and precision shot. He is sire of the dark angels, the point of the blade, the lion scholar, an absolute focus, very bulky, and Deathwing Companions. Sire of the Dark Angels, while Lionel Johnson is on the battlefield, all friendly models with the Leona, Legionus Astartes Dark Angels special rule roll an additional D6 for all morale and use the two lowest dice to decide the result of the check. Any units with the Legionus Astartes Dark Angel rule within 12 inches of the Lionel, with, with, <laughs> within 12 inches of Lionel Johnson add one to the wound value used to determine which side has won a given close combat. Neat. Hey, Stephen, what did the what's what's the word bearer's special rule? Uh, true believers, wherein we roll three d six and pick the lowest two. Okay, cool. Just I mean, we was, get it without taking our garbage ass primark though. What what was that? The dark angels got. Uh, roll an uh, additional d six, and you're taking on checks. two normally, right? Yeah. All yeah. All, uh, so you're rolling three and picking the two lowest? Yeah, and all models with the Dark Angel special rule. Not just within his uh, area. Everybody on the field. Huh. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but, I mean, we don't, have to take, we don't have to take a Primarch to get the extra 
morale boost. No, so. but you wish you did. Only because your Primarch isn't worth taking. Uh, that's true. That's very true. In fact, y'all should only roll one. Well, no. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, yeah. Jesse. God damn it. I had Stick to reading rules. I'm, you know, I can't damn it, read. Jesse. Point Trash talk blade. is not your forte. <laughs> it really is not. <laughs> Point of the blade. When the lion went forth to battle, he had but one goal. The destruction of the foe by the most efficient means possible. He beset his enemy as swiftly as he was able and from every avenue of assault, holding back no scrap of his resolve. No tactical ploy or show of strength could stay his judgment nor show nor slow his onslaught once battle was joined. For it could only end only on the... Yeah. For it could only end... It could end only... <laughs> only end on the point of a blade. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to uh, become a Patreon, all of your money, <laughs> if you join this week, will be spent to get Jesse reading glasses <laughs> so he can read the tiny-ass font I have no of excuse. this book. Tiny-ass italic font. Yeah, After declaring all... a charge for Lionel Johnson and any unit he has joined, the controlling player may choose to move eight inches, ignoring the effects of difficult terrain or dangerous terrain, instead of rolling for charge range normally. Thank this is so God. fucking good. Oh my God! One, there's no escaping the lion. That you could replace that flavor text with when Lehman Rust went forth to battle, and it would make perfect sense there too. Yeah, like it, like it was weird to me how much that applied to both Primarchs. But this or is Angron. such a good rule. Yeah, it was really yeah, good. yeah. But that implies Angron has judgment. Angron has judgment. He just chooses not to use it. And as someone who sweats but when I have to make a four-inch charge because I once <laughs> failed two four-inch charges back-to-back in a Zone Mortalis game, I really like this. I really uh, like this. It was funny, but so sad. Yeah, I was fighting like, Death how, Guard. But how many to... of us have, have done the same thing, right? Like, fucking, <laughs> you got a six-inch charge. All right, two, and now I'm going to get gunned, gunned down and annihilated. Yep. yep, first you take Overwatch, mm. then you get shot again in the shooting mm. phase. Yep. Now this is great. Something Rough. you can count on for sure. Yeah. All right, I'm going to yeah. charge. Cool. How far do you have to go? Uh, not going to bother. Yeah, anything that reduces the variables for you is a net gain in my book for this game. Yeah. Welcome to pre-7th edition fantasy. Oh, shit, really? Random charge distances can suck it. <laughs> mm. So they didn't have that in fantasy, I take it. No, it was just your basic, it was just like your march move was your charge range. And there was no pre-measuring, so like, guess. Ah. But like the stock move was four, so everybody could judge eight inches by eye. And you'd spend whole turns just like, I scoot it up two millimeters. You gonna risk it? Because <laughs> you failed, you just went like half the distance, so you were annihilated. Yeah, very uh, impressive. You can pre-measure in this game, so that's just good. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, it's the assault phase. How far away am I? Eight inches? Yeah, we're doing it. Okay, roll. No, no, no. You misunderstood me. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and to some extent, it kind of makes sense with the Space Marines all having, like, whatever tactical stuff they have in their helmets and stuff. They can they can gauge that. But God forbid they want to shoot any farther than 24 inches. It's like, I don't know if I can make that shot. We're just not going to do it. Can't make that shot, boss. Yeah. Got to conserve ammo. Got to keep that 100% yeah. accuracy rate hey. up. Do you put spare magazines on your Marines? No. Then they have 30 <laughs> bolt rounds for the whole game, Jesse. Good luck. Some small-ass bolt rounds. Just the, the magazine <laughs> proportions just are not correct. It's a fact. Oh, it's like a five-round magazine. It's not 
But that's yeah. all we're here for. Keep going, yeah. Jesse. The Lion's Collar. The Lord of the First Legion had faced terrors unimaginable by, Marsh, by mortal man and triumphed, had vanquished foes that threatened the utter extinction of life as it is known, and slain creatures more vast than even the greatest war engines. When he went into battle, there were few foes worthy of death at the lion's hand, and only those that could prove by bloody defiance that they were worthy of his enmity would witness the true collar of the lion. That's collar with a C-H, not the one your dog wears. <laughs> when reduced to four wounds or less, the lion gains plus one attack. Increase the two attacks when reduced to two wounds or less. Spooky. Yeah, pretty straightforward and... Yeah. Yeah, he just hits so seven hard. attacks at the end of you know at the end game. Yeah, that's that's very brutal. Because you're not killing him in like a round, right? Even if you swarm him with like another Primarch and that Primarch's bodyguard, you're not gonna put six wounds on him in a round. So he's gonna go again. There are gonna be some extremely very with bad an ex- rolls with extra couple attacks. Yeah. Yeah. For that to happen. In absolute focus. Among his brother Primarchs, the lion was renowned for his prowess in combat, but not because of any unique tricks or subtle blade work that might confound the foe. He was neither the exquisite duelist that Fulgrim epitoned, nor the raging berserker that was Angron, but rather something more terrifying. He fought with an absolute focus and chilling detachment, unstoppable on the attack and immovable on defense, and once brought to battle, he knew no other end than victory or death. In any assault phase, Lionel Johnson is never required to roll more than four up to hit any enemy model, regardless of the enemy's weapon skill, any special rules, or modifiers in play. I feel this is very specifically aimed at the famous, like, a refight of the Russ Lion fight. Because it means that Russ's armor won't uh, yeah, like, Russ fuck is like, too much. Russ's ah. fuck you rules don't matter. That's right. Forgot about that. And when they uh, revealed these rules back a couple months ago, Stephen, you mentioned, and I didn't realize this. I didn't think about it, but Titans. Yeah. Anything Reaver or above, he just chops down like a tree. Yep. Cause Titans require, you know, for infantry require a roll of six to hit, right? Mm-hmm. Not with the lion. Not with the lion. Which is Ha-ha, hilarious. Wolf blade goes burr. <laughs> Hooray. Strength 10 AP two. Suck it. <laughs> Deathwing Mm. Companions. Among the ranks of the Deathwing, there is no greater honor than to take the field alongside the Primarch himself, with those fortunate enough to suffer hurt or death in his stead lauded amongst the greatest heroes of the Legion. Indeed, the Lion has often proven reluctant to accept the service of the Companions save in direst need, unwilling to risk harm to his Legion when it can be avoided. Unless he's backhanding a chap. Sorry, Nemiel. But also because he's the fucking lion. What can you bring to the table that he doesn't already have? A unit of Deathwing companions may be included as part of the same Lords of War choice as Lionel Johnson. If selected, Lionel Johnson must join this unit and may not voluntarily leave it during play. I'm I'm sorry, these are just the rules. Sorry, boss. Sorry, sorry. Leave me alone. Them's the rules. Can't do it. So moving on to his war gear, the Leonine Panoply. Crafted in homage to the armor of Caliban and the heritage of his new legion, the Leonine Panoply was both a brutally efficient Aegis against harm and a fitting set of regalia for the first of the Primarchs. Its crowning glory was the Lion Helm, a graceful ceramite helm that bore a set of plumed wings in the style of the first legion's emblem 
and which incorporated a power field projector of ancient design. The Leonine, and very specifically, not crafted by the lion. Correct. This is not the lion helm. This is the Leonine panoply. So this is pretty. Yep. <laughs> the Leonine panoply provides a two-up armor save and a four-up invulnerable save. The first failed invulnerable save made for the Lion L. Johnson each turn may be re-rolled. Each turn, Jesus Christ. I'm also amused that it's a may, right? So if he's, you know, <laughs> sitting there, he's dueled with Russ for a couple of turns, he's got three wounds left, and you fail that one wound, and you go, I'll take it. Extra attack. <laughs> That's true. Yep, it's true. The Fusil Actinaeus. One of a number of weapons from the sealed arsenals of the Dark Angels that found occasional favor with the first Primarch, this plasma fusil's origins were found in the dark years of Old Night on Ancient Terra. Far exceeding the capabilities of more modern plasma weapons, it is an example of that archaic technology preserved in the vaults of the First Legion. A fusil Actinaeus has an 18-inch range, strength 7, AP2, salvo 2-4, twin-linked, blind. So there's a problem here, guys. What is it? It's salvo. Yeah. So you can't charge with it. Mm, yeah. Oops. Also, if you stand still for some reason, you can lose four shots. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got a long enough range, though, that you're going to get to shoot it at least once. True. At 18 inches, if you, if you maintain that... Let's see. Right, six you're, probably inches, not, you're probably not risking a 10-inth charge with him, right? Because you're just going to no. say, well, I can, make an, I can auto make an 8-inch, so I'm not going to bother with it. That's a good point. So, yeah. Typically, you're going to get at least two shots with it. I don't think you're going to get uh, four shots very often. Yeah, unless you're using uh, the lion to hold an objective, which isn't outside yeah. the realm of possibility. But even in at that 18-inch yeah. range, which I guess is not too bad... But um, overall, the gun itself is pretty cool. And I have the, the model, been working on building it, and the, uh, the gun is pretty nice. It, kinda rem- it almost looks like a Martian death ray. Not quite in Volkite, but it has a nice rounded body. I need to put it somewhere else than where they say to put it on the model because you're not going to see it because the cape's going to cover it all up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Let's see, moving on. Stasis grenades. Uh, These rare techno relics count as neither assault nor defensive grenades, but have their own unique effect. During a turn in which a a unit equipped with stasis grenades makes a successful charge, or are themselves successfully charged, the enemy units reduce their initiative to one until the end of the game turn. Not as cool as the Space Wolf one. What do the Space Wolf ones do? We can throw them as an AP2 small blast. (laughs) <laughs> nice was it like an eight inch range yeah something like that gotcha but they're assault weapons so. oh wow that's pretty cool yeah that's that's what i'm doing when i have like that one death sworn left uh-huh. and he's chucking random shit at you that really really hurts that's what it is i've never been on the wrong side of your death sworn i think no no wait i played once i don't remember We're i don't think need so to be because uh we're we're gonna have to redo this russ lion fight yeah I think so. But, um, yeah, the fact they count neither as assault or defensive grenades, so that's why you get the frag grenades. Just to tack onto that, which, okay. (laughs) But, yeah, reduce initiative to one until the end of the game turn. 
That's uh, disturbing, especially if you throw him in with a bunch of Deathwing companions. And Just you go first. Because it's, it's game turn, not player turn. Yeah. Right? So if you go first, then it goes for two rounds of combat. Mm-hmm. Assuming there is two rounds of combat, because you're <laughs> fighting the fucking lion. The lion sword. And uh, these are the two uh, weapons that you can choose. You have the lion sword, a powerful broad-bladed sword that gloved... A powerful broad-bladed sword. See, now it's just sad. Now it's just straight up sad. A powerful broad-bladed sword that glowed with a soft inner light and scorched those it struck with a silver flame. Its keen edge made a mockery of even the finest armor or the mightiest of foes, cutting a clear path for the first Primarch and his legion through the darkest of battlefields. The Lion Sword is melee range, strength user, so strength 7, AP 1, melee, lance, flesh bane, mastercrafted, two-handed. Why, though? Mm. Why does it need to be Fleshbane? I don't understand. <laughs> it's Fleshbane and Lance, because fuck you and the tank you rode in on. He hits so hard already. I guess Fleshbane for, like, uh, monsters for demons. There's almost yeah, nothing. That, that's what this is, is. Strength seven, so. You now hit him with demons. You reroll those ones. And if there's a tank involved, congratulations. Your armor it, value It's 12. dead, too. <laughs> yeah. Then we have the Wolf Blade, a blade of ancient provenance borne by the first Primarch in the earliest days of the Great Crusade, and which remained at his side even to the last days of the Horus Heresy, a masterpiece of the armorer's craft, whose flickering silver teeth wrought a fearsome ruin upon the foe and shattered the resolve of those that stood against the lion. Range melee, strength plus three for a strength nine attack, AP two melee, two-handed, shred, fearsome ruin. Any unit which suffers one or more casualties from this weapon and makes a morale check during the assault phase must roll an additional d6 for that check and keep the two highest dice to determine the result. Jesse, uh, I gotta disagree with you there. It's a strength 10 attack. Right, because I can't count. Counting is hard. I get strength it. Again, 10. for one dollar a month. <laughs> <laughs> we need yeah. to make a PSA, like that sad like puppy or like starving kids video. Yeah. And just we'll overlay it. arms of an angel. We'll just have some... We'll have right? some uh, some black and white photos of Jesse at Nova. <laughs> <laughs> Strength ten, AP two. Yeah, the next time Stephen rolls out with that Iron Warriors dreadnought list of his, just there's your answer. Bam, <laughs> Lance, Lance, Lance. No, please stop it. This list is already painful. So All right, we'll saying- just bring Strength ten, AP two. <laughs> <laughs> So with that being said, with Fearsome Ruin, I think we talked about this too before in our in our chat. Steven. So what is your what is what is your Legion rules? <laughs> so the word bearers roll three D six or an additional D six on any morale check. Um, but they can take the lowest two. Fearsome Ruin forces them to roll another D six and take the highest two. So word bearers against the lion using the wolf blade have to roll 4d6 and take the highest two for combat resolution. <laughs> I don't think that's how that actually works. Like, well, per... I think you're wrong. Let me, you know what? I've got, well, I've got my word bearers built rules, right over there. Your rules Hold that is thought. take an extra. Your rules Hold is that take thought. an extra and roll the lowest, right? Hang on. Or Let me go the get lowest. the book. And mine does pretty much the opposite. Well, not necessarily opposite. 
He still has to roll another die, but take the highest. Additional additional d6, take the two highest. His is roll additional d6, take the two lowest. And if that's the case, it'll work like it did. Okay. Uh, I have here my... Yeah. Read it out. Read it out. Book number five. That's Militia. That's Mechanicum. Here we go. Uh, true Believers. All units with the Legion as a Stardaze Wordbearer's special rule roll 3d6 for all morale checks and must pick the two lowest dice. And then yeah. Fearsome Ruin... Uh, must roll an additional d6. So we're up to 4d6 for that check, and keep the two highest dice to determine the results. I do not believe that's how that works. I would say it's a matter of specificity over general in the um, in the classic method for determining which rule takes precedence specific over general being that the wolf blade as a piece of war gear has more specific rules than a rule that applies to an entire army. I'd say you just make your morale check with 4d6 and not count the high, two highest or two lowest. You just add all four dice together. Add all four together. <laughs> yeah, okay, but sure, yeah. sure, Jesse, so why, sure. <laughs> why would you roll four dice at all then, Stephen? Why well, are you not because... just rolling an additional and keeping the two highest? So because you're rolling four dice the specific because... raise. So the Wordbearer's specific rule says Mm -hmm. that you roll 3d6. Fearsome Ruin says an additional. So you're at 4. Does it say 3d6, not an additional 6? Yeah, it specifically says 3d6. But if you're replacing the whole rule, if the specificity means that this rule takes precedence over that rule, why are you not just doing everything it says? Not that they are... Because um, it's not it's not two separate rules, right? It doesn't say correct. Rule, it's one you test rule. Test on three d six. Rule. Yes. You pick the two lowest. Correct. It's one rule. You test on three d six. You take two, and spe- specific versus general doesn't necessarily mean that you replace one rule with the other. Just when they interact, it works out in the more specific rules favor. I I do not believe that is what is happening here. I, I think when this eventually gets FAQ'd, it'll get FAQ'd uh, in the traditional fantasy style that was the way it worked for five editions of fantasy, which was when a unit that or a rule that said roll 3d6 or an extra d6 of leadership and pick the lowest came up against one that said do the same thing uh, but pick the highest, you just didn't roll the extra d6 essentially. Mm-hmm. And you just take the ba- the base leadership check as those two rules sort of hit and canceled each other out. And I feel like that's what should be going on here. It's either that or just roll 3d6 regardless. I just think it's hilarious to roll 4d6 oh, and rules, have to rules. pick the highest two. I mean, yeah. if you want to fuck yourself over, that's fine. Like, you do I'm, that. I'm in combat with the lion. Things have already gone south. But, you know, for any other poor, poor word bearer person fighting the lion, I feel like a strong argument can be made to either totally replace your rule with Fearsome Ruin uh, or what I think will happen rules as intended would be it's a wash. Just roll a normal. Who knows? Who knows? I think what it'll probably end up being is. 
the word bearer's rule will be reworded to state an additional d6 so mm-hmm. that the additional d6 part of both rules plays nice we only roll we're only rolling 3d6 and then i guess you you and your friends can figure but out but the whole figure it out in age of darkness second edition yeah, yeah. it's true <laughs> coming well to a let me see you well, so he says all the theaters being closed. Right. Well, one quick note. Um, true believers, all units with the lead unit of the Stardust Word Bearers rule, roll 3d6 for all morale checks and must pick the two lowest dice. So, all would technically encompass Fearsome Ruin. I mean, I'm not really going to yeah. complain too much about, about it, Austin. I'm just going to go ahead and let it roll the four die and take the two highest. <laughs> you do what you want. Inquiring <laughs> Wordbearer players need to know. Yeah. All three. Beware the lion. All three of us, yes. <laughs> anyway, what do we think about the lion? Boy, that guy is scary. He is distressing. And he plays a pretty yeah. decent support role, too, despite the fact that he's a combat monster yeah no because um, like russ is very much just a beat stick like angron very much just a beat stick um, um but having played word bearers for this long i can tell you that rolling an additional d6 from morale and taking the two lowest is so good mm-hmm. it's so good yeah i played lizard men for two editions i know i've rarely seen you lose a combat or yeah lose a morale check yeah uh, i mean Obviously, if you're bringing the lion, right, you're not pinching for points, but it just lets you let it lets you cut Legion Vexillas out of your army almost entirely. That's true. For all the efficiency that it gives. Yeah. Save you a couple points. Mm-hmm. And plus the 24-inch bubble he has for a plus one to wound. Which is, or interestingly plus enough, one also wound a rule that, uh, that Lorgar shares, except he doesn't have to be within 12 inches of somebody to do it. We'd That's be impressed, cool. but uh, it's Lorgar, so we're yeah. Good. I mean, it's, well, I mean, Lorgar is the support Primarch. This is what he does. Yes. Um, yeah, this is he. Hmm. I don't foresee anything on the table losing to the lion in combat. You mean not losing to the lion in combat? Oh yes, 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 yes. I don't see anybody beating him. Is what I meant to say. The lion will remain inviolate. I have to look at Horus's stats. It's been a long time since I've seen him. Yeah, I'd have I'd have to look again at Russ. I actually have Horus as well. I can go pick him up. Well, one second then. It's times like this that I'm uh, not mad that I've spent as much money as I have on black books. <laughs> um, Horus actually probably has a fairly decent chance of... Uh, of taking on the lion because of the fact that he can reduce stats, you know, strength. And uh, although I think he reduces, where is he? Horus the Warmaster, here we go. Uh, Talon, disabling strike. Uh, any model wounded but not, bas- not slain by the Warmaster's Talon in a particular assault phase, is negative one weapon skill and negative one strength for the rest of the game. And it is cumulative, so the weapon skill doesn't really help him because the lion's always going to hit on a four. Yeah. 
But the strength is nice, assuming he's not swinging around the wolf blade. Yep. And at that point, maybe Fleshbane actually isn't too bad of a... Oh, yeah, you know what? That Then it still doesn't matter because he's hitting... He's still wounding you on a two-up. Oh. oh. Okay, yeah, actually the Warmaster's going down. Sorry, Horus. If he takes the Lion Sword, is what we're saying. Well, I think he'll... I, I, mean, I, you I think be, it's still right? going like, to be yeah. pretty bad, even if he takes the Wolf Blade, because that's an additional two turns that he has to keep hitting and wounding with the Talon. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. To even negate the Wolf Blade. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I think Russ will take him. Russ can't Russ do is, anything. Russ is weapon skill 9. He's a point less in strength, but I think what will get it uh, is the sword that he's got. Uh, which is, if the model suffers one or more wounds from this weapon but is not slay, slain, roll 2d6 and compare to the wounded model's current toughness. And if the roll result is greater than this, it suffers an extra D3 wounds at AP2. And I think that would be enough to put him over? Be close. But it's certainly close. Also, keep in mind for Horus, he also is a Worldbreaker's concussive as well. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Yeah, concussive is kind of a big deal. But... Stasis grenades. Yeah, well, Horus is only going to be I-1 yeah. for one turn, if that's yeah. the case. Uh, I don't know. It seems mm. like it'd be... We'll have to play it out one day. It'll be, it'll be an interesting fight. Yeah. Hmm. Lion doesn't have Mastery of the Blade, which is kind of funny. I mean, yeah. Oops. Because <laughs> while people were studying the blade, he was backhanding chaplains. Oh, <laughs> poor... No, uh, or Nemiel. I thought Nemiel was a was a librarian, or was he a chaplain? He was a chaplain. Oops. <laughs> his, uh, his cousin is the librarian. That's it. Yeah. So with that, so guys, it's uh, it's been almost an hour and a half. So I think we should probably uh, call this one a wrap. Because yeah, with uh, with yeah. six rights of war, that's going to take us some time to get through. Yeah, that's at it's least true. twenty minutes. There's a, a lot r- of a right. At least. Yeah. There's a lot of shenanigans that go into all this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, so with that, we'll call this one uh, in the can. Thank you all for sticking around and listening to another episode of the Remembrancers Retreat. Uh, if you enjoy our podcast, considering subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any podcatching app that you use, um, you can visit our website at rr30k.com. You can join our uh, Discord server, which the link will be uh, located over at... Uh, on the link somewhere on this uh, episode. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at the Remembrancers Retreat, or sorry, Remembrancers underscore Retreat. And you can find us on YouTube as well, because I'm just posting videos up on YouTube now, because why not? And if, uh, if you are very happy with our podcast, consider becoming a patron. Go over to patreon.com forward slash RR30K Podcast and join the wonderful people who donate to our cause, starting with our Praetor tier, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Jacob Dillon, Gardner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, and Nicholas Quenga, our Legion Centurions, Andrew N., Angry Boy, John Christensen, M. Tanzer, Queen Corswain, Scott LeMay, The Original Applesauce, and Black Label Painting. 
And finally, our Legion Sergeant tier, we have Duncan, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, and Nicholas Gillen. Again, thank you all so much for your uh, continuing patronage, and we'll be sure to send you guys out some stickers and some fun little swag every now and then. And with that, that's all I have for this episode, and we'll tackle the rights of war next. Ooh. Uh, you guys have anything else uh, you want to plug before we call this one out? Um, we're still doing Lost Transmissions episodes. Uh, we haven't uploaded one in a while, but they're still being made, so <laughs> yes. don't worry. We'll get around to them. False. There's, there's one in Jesse's box right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll take a look at it. I still got to add the other one. Yeah, there's a lot to do. There's not a lot of time to do it in, but don't worry. We're still the content the is there. We just got to get it to you guys. So yep. hang in there. We're getting there. So with that, until next time, keep those dice rolling. Bye. Adios. Bye.